Hello and welcome to The Inner Gamer, episode 205. We are the video game source for you, the casual gamer. My name is Brett Yanoski. And I'm Austin Morales. And this week on The Inner Gamer Podcast, we talk about an awesome game we played at our recent event, Catastronauts. Me and Brett both jump into the Anthem demo, and I get to play a little bit of Kingdom Hearts 3. And in the gaming news, Sony is shifting Focus to the PS5. And we have a lot of gaming, uh, epic gaming news to talk about, good and bad. And in the discussion topic, we talk about real world social experiences in games. What does that mean? Well, you have to tune in to our final segment to know what we're talking about. And <laughs> cue that music, Brett. Yo, it's Johnny Cruz, and you're listening to The Inner Gamer. Ha <laughs> It is February 5th, 2019. Welcome to the Inner Gamer Podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love for you to donate to make the show better. For as little as $5, you can help support all of our content so we can keep bringing the highest quality content each and every week. Also, if you're in the DFW area, make sure you come out on February 27th to Brain Dead Brewing in Dallas, Texas. We are having a Super Smash Brothers Ultimate Tournament $5 buy-in. We're going to cap it at 64 players. It's going to be awesome. There will be other games to play while you're there if you don't end up getting in the tournament, but still come out, participate, play in the tournament. It's going to be awesome. Speaking of events, we just had our event last week. Did. Met a lot of new faces. Oh, Cowtown Brewing Company in Fort Worth. Super big shout-out to those guys. They were awesome hosts, as always. And uh, I felt like there was... A good 70% of the people there I'd never seen before. Yeah. Oh, totally. Like brand new faces. And so if y'all are listening right now, welcome to the Inner Gamer Podcast. Community. Thank you for giving us the time of your day to listen and uh, put us in your ears. I hope you enjoy this podcast. It's going to be awesome. We are going to brighten up your day with some great gaming related topics. All kinds of gaming related like topics. Oh. It was it was wonder. It's gonna be wonderful, and uh, yeah, we had a lot of fun. Uh, speaking of which, one of the things that we had a lot of fun with was a game that I found out about at the beginning of January when I was like, "What game are we gonna feature at this first event of the year?" So I was digging through the Switch store and was like, "What games have come out?" And I literally spent like three hours researching all of these games that had been released, trying to figure oh out which gosh. one was Couch Co-op. I'm sorry. And then Catastronauts showed up. And I was like, this game looks interesting. I'm going to read up on it. And then I looked on Steam and saw it had a very positive review score. And then I went to watch more videos on it, which there aren't many out there. But turns out Catastronauts is a game that is basically overcooked in space. Overcooked meets FTL, as one of our guests brought up. And I thought that was a very good correlation. And yes, it is freaking awesome. Four-player couch co-op. You're in a spaceship. You and your buddies have to protect the spaceship from getting destroyed by alien invaders. And you have to go around and as they shoot your ship, it puts cracks in the ground. And then sometimes the cracks turn into fire. So you have to repair the cracks in the ground and then put out the fire with a fire extinguisher. And then you have to then also use the turrets to shoot guns at the enemy that keeps shooting at you and it's just this big huge tug of war back and forth some people have to repair the ships some people have to put out the fire some people have to go and like freaking shoot the guns and then sometimes you have to just like switch up roles because you're like holy crap 
they put this wall here. And then when you walk through the wall, it electrocutes you at certain times and you don't want to die. And then sometimes you have to like teleport your freaking fire extinguisher from side to side because you can't cross over between the two places. It's ridiculous. Oh my God. This is the best mix up of overcooked in space I've ever seen. Yeah. Like this is, this is perfect. Use the same engine, doesn't it? I don't know. I think it does. I think someone's saying that it uses the same engine, but this game, I, this game came out on steam. It's uh, September 28th of last year. Oh, at least on the switch okay. on January 3rd. So yeah. <clears throat> if you love overcooked, Definitely going to want to pick this up. I, I can't decide if this is better than Overcooked or not because it's definitely a whole new take on that kind of team management, accomplishing a mission. And I see how Overcooked can get kind of boring after a while because it's just cooking food. I think there's a little more uh, strategy involved in this. Now, I guess that's all in the eye of the beholder because, I mean, for one, you're running around, you're shooting lasers, you're trying to repair those lasers. You're trying to repair things on the ship that keep getting blown up. Fires break out, obviously, like Brett was saying, and it just gets really hectic and crazy. And um, again, it has that feeling of overcooked of, you know, you start off a, a level and everything's really chaotic, but then you, somehow you guys rally together on your second try or third try and you really get that. And that sense of accomplishment is awesome. And then playing with people that I've never played with before, like it was, it was fantastic. Like yeah. everyone was getting into it. Everyone was, you know, coming together and like helping each other out and the communication was like on point. Yeah. And I don't think there's a lot of games that you can really say that about. Yeah. You can do couch co-op stuff, but is there a game you can really take out into the wild and then have people actually come together and accomplish a a goal? Yeah. And, 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 you have to be yelling at each other quite a bit and be like, I need the fire extinguisher. <laughs> oh, Get crazy. the torpedoes. We're being attacked over here. Transport that engineering kid over to my side. Blah, 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 blah. It's, in, like, it's insane. It was, ex- it was a great experience. And I, I wish more of these type of games would come out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Eventually, I'm sure if more do, it would probably be a cookie cutter of like Overwatch at, I mean, right. at some point. So <laughs> it was great. The levels yeah. are great. They get really hard. Like, they're one, super hard. Like the progression was pretty steady, but it w- we went from one we were just like running around repairing yeah. and putting out fires to you have a turntable or you have like a um what do you call it? The little oh yeah, things. the uh, lazy Susan, I guess. Yeah, like the mall things. You have the uh, revolving doors. Oh, right no, in the that's middle. Right, yeah, right in the yeah. middle of the thing, and so you have to take these torpedoes. They're going to blow up, and I think you have to take them to a table to turn off the detonation and then take it to a giant bazooka gun in the front, put it in the bazooka gun and then you get to have a second person hold the, uh, I guess the hatch open and it goes forward and then someone else has to shoot. Oh my gosh. Yes. That's all. I didn't realize you got that complicated. Yes. It was ridiculous. (laughs) I was like, what? So in the meantime, you have two other people who are going around trying to, you know, uh, fires and and then it just gets crazy because, some mat one match, obviously a teleportation match where you you have to you can only have one fire extinguisher, so you have to share that between both sides of the ship, and then you have to put that through the teleportation, so you, the other team can get it. And then like fires are breaking out, and you have to sit there. And sometimes we died the first time we died because we didn't realize the the respawn capsule had been destroyed, and then the uh, other side of the ship was all on fire. So the other person, <laughs> by the time he got to the teleportation, uh. 
room. He he had burned up and died. So it's like no one's coming back. <laughs> no one's coming to save yeah. you. It's all over. Yeah, yeah. It's all over now. So yeah, it's a it's a lot of fun. I think it was like a twenty dollar game or something like that. It didn't cost a whole lot, but I was I was pleasantly surprised. It's from a company called Inertia Game Studios, and I don't know if they've done anything else up to this point, but they've they really hit it home with this one quite a bit. Very clever design, very smart. I mean, just, yeah, it's a nice mesh of two separate types of games that are both really good. And most people haven't played FTL, but those that have played FTL were like, this is an amazing game. And then bringing the, fusing that into this kind of four player competitive kind of scene or co-op scene is really, really interesting. Um, yeah, so I think it's worth it. 1699 on Okay, so even better. Can't beat that. Another hidden gem that I never would. I, I there's so many good games on the Switch. Again, there are a lot of bad games on the Switch as well. So <laughs> take that yeah. for what it is. There are some interesting ones that I'm like, uh, really, this exists. And for our event, it was nice because I finally got to play some Dragon Ball Fighters, along with I got to play um, uh, some more Smash with everybody. So nice. we had a few games out there, and everyone had a pretty good time. And uh, it was it was nice to see people just picking up games and and really digging di- digging into them. Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. I had a blast. It was a lot I of fun. Did. We you drank a lot. I drank a lot. Uh, I had three beers, maybe four. That's it? Yeah. Dang. How much like you have? Six. And you didn't have your wallet. I know. Holy crap! I know. God, alcoholic over here. I'll find a way. Jeez, that's crazy. Yeah, no, I was just too busy talking. I didn't have spend a. I didn't eat though. I never ended up getting food. I want to get those nachos really bad. Did you get the nachos? No, oh, really dude, good? they're so good. Oh man, so good. I'm gonna have to go up there and get them again because they. Uh, yeah, I ended up having to go stop and get some velvet taco afterwards because I was like, crap. Nice. I never got into getting the food. It, it, it's good. It's good. Yeah. Get get a get a second. Uh, they can give you a, a side bowl of cheese. And I recommend getting that for the nachos. Oh, really? Yeah, because they don't they don't put hardly enough cheese on there. Yeah, well, you're like a least. cheese cheese true, fan. True. You're just like all about that. But it would be nice to have a side bowl. So like when you get to the because the problem with nachos just in general is that you get the nachos and they pile everything up on top, and then once you get through this top layer of toppings, and you just got chips left. Right. And it's like, well, shit. What do I do with yeah. these chips? And then I didn't really think about it, but I, I got a bowl and I th- threw it all on top, and then they got soggy. I was like, man, if I just would have kept the bowl, I could have just dipped the chips that need to be dipped into the cheese. Yeah, that's what it I was thinking. Yeah. So you didn't do <laughs> No, well, at first oh, man, it was great, right? Because they were yeah. all, you know, chip-like and stuff. Yeah. And we left it there for a little bit. And then you come back and like, this thing doesn't, this it just like falls. It just like falls apart. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Anyway. All right, moving um, on. All right, next game we have to talk about. This is a game that we are... Well, I've been really hyped about it. It wasn't on Austin's hype list as much, but yeah. I was I was pretty excited. BioWare and Electronic Arts are producing Anthem, and this weekend we got a chance to jump into the Anthem public demo. And this allows you to get your feel for Anthem and try out the Javelin armor, navigate through Tarsus, which is their single-player um, world space that pretty much is like the tower in destiny but you have cutscenes that show up in here because that's how you in 
experience the story bits and everything. And then you can go into fight battles or some story missions. There's a stronghold mission. There is free play where you can roam around in the world and see what all there is to do. And we probably put a couple hours into it. I think you did more than I did probably, but I got like two and a half, three hours of time in there and got at least to touch the surface of the game. Yeah. Same here. And I am in a weird position. I'm not sure where I fall in terms of like, I'm excited to get the game, but I have a lot of concerns as you should, as I should like starting out. Should we talk about the controversies and then like, well, let's start with the good stuff and then we'll go into some of the controversies and stuff like that. Cause I just want to talk about, well, I guess not really controversy. There are issues early on that have been addressed by people. Yeah. They still are happening now. Yeah. So I mean like a week ago they had the VIP public demo or the VIP demo, which was for pre-ordered folks slash people that were part of the premier pass. If they had those two things taken care of, they could get in the VIP demo and it was plagued by like server issues and you couldn't connect and it like people didn't probably get connected until like mid Saturday or Sunday, even like origin crash because it was such a crazy controversy with they just, for whatever reason, weren't prepared for the server level. So this week, they fixed some of that stuff, but there were still server issues. And we encountered that when we were fighting at a stronghold, where like, you got disconnected from the server, and then even later on, I got disconnected from the server, and we never got to finish the stronghold mission that we spent like an hour trying to like yes. go through. We're at the boss. He was like fourth health left, and I got disconnected. But the cool thing is, is that if you get disconnected, it allows you to join your expedition again. But the thing that sucked is that the door to get to the boss was sealed shut and there was like poison gas right there. So you couldn't get too close anyway. So I'm curious if that um, was a bug or if that was intentional. It is an intentional. What the hell are they thinking? Because you want to hear, I mean, yeah, it's unless it's just like one life to live and that's it. But that one guy, so we had, it, there was three of us in this party and we go into the room, we start fighting this big, huge, massive, like bug like creature thing. That's got these, these like tumors on its back that you shoot at that do lots of damage and whatnot. And if you hit it enough and like wounded, it, it like falls down and you can like blast fire at it and then you just keep fighting it until it dies, which it never died because we got knocked out of the server. But one of our guys that was playing with us like was flying through the air and then got shot out. Cause this thing like shoots webs at you. And if it webs you, you fall to the ground um, from the javelin. And he got stuck on the side of a cliff to a point to where there was no like, pl- like area that we could actually sit on to be able to revive him, and bring him back to life. So that was a terrible glitch Yeah, that shouldn't have happened, right. but it did. Right. And then I just kept dying a lot. Fortunately you didn't die enough or as much as I did. So <laughs> I we're did able not. to revive me until you got disconnected. And then that was just a nightmare. I was just like, I don't understand. Well, uh, okay. So the big issue for me was as soon as I got in the game, as soon as I was started walking around the world, I got disconnected. Oh really? So I got pushed to the, to the, to load the, the main menu screen. And so I had to go back in and like do all my stuff again, which was fine. Like I really didn't get too far, but it's just like, wow, even after all this time, there's still issues with the server. And it makes me wonder Yes, well, there hasn't probably, been a lot. It's only been a week, though. Still, it's like a week since the, the VIP demo? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it just came out last week. So it only had seven days, really. But still, the, the bigger, the bigger, the, the, larger, the larger argument is that this game is also, for, when the VIP demo came out, is three or four weeks away from being released. I think it's now two weeks away from being released. 
that's the bigger problem. And like, I don't know where this demo lands in like the development cycle. I'm sure the actual full game is further along than the demo was, but it's still a problem that they had server issues of that caliber with such a small pool of people, which I'm sure is a huge number of people, but ultimately it was a limited view. And then they had a week to get back up and running and they've been doing like alpha tests and stuff like that. So I don't know what issues they have with that, but it's still, like you said, it's 2019. They shouldn't be having the problems that they have with this as much. I mean, it's not like EA is a stranger to games as a service platforms. Um, well, they sort of are, I guess. This is their first actual, I guess, live service well, that they're running. They're not a stranger to having multiple servers for a game that requires a lot of, you know, multiplayer aspects to it. Like Battlefield. Yeah. You know, Battlefront. You think they got this shit in the bag at this point? I mean, all their games basically have servers involved. How can you not be up to date? Like, how this just this doesn't make sense to me. For whatever reason, that that's how it is. So for me, like, I'm kind of worried that this is going to spell some bad news for the launch, which I'm probably going to wait a while. Um, but with that said, we can talk about gameplay, and it's actually fun. The gameplay is fun. The game mechanics are fun. The game shooting is fun. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was, I was, uh, when we jumped into it, um, we jumped into a story mission at the beginning. So, uh, when you're in Fort Tarsus, which is like the, again, the tower, you're in first person view and you go around, you get your mission. There's a cutscene that tells you like, here's what you're going to be doing, what the objective is. I didn't really get super engrossed into the story bits yet, but I feel like we're like in the middle of something. It's not like starting from the very, very get go. So we don't know the setup other than you're a freelancer. The freelancers are kind of these outcasts and they're trying to make a name for themselves in the world. Whereas with destiny, which this is definitely, even though they say it's not a destiny clone, it's very much inspired by destiny, like very largely inspired by destiny. But there's a lot of benefits to this that make it different enough that I really enjoy. But as a freelancer, whereas with The Guardian, you were like the badass of the world. You're basically like the resistance, the rebels, the people that are kind of the outcasts of the world. And you're trying to make a name for yourself in this society. More or so, less mercenaries. More or less mercenaries, yeah. So that's kind of interesting to explore that concept a little bit. But you jump in your javelin, you go into the world, and then now you're third person and you start fighting. And First thing I figured out how to do was fly. Cause I was like, well, shit, that's what I want to do is fly. Right. Didn't know what I was doing. I kept like double jumping. I was like, this is not letting me fly. I know, what right? I have to you, do? Th- you think the double jump would get you going. Yeah. Like I would just jump and then jump again and then it would like fly me up in the air. But there's just a double jump that exists in the game. But uh, you told me how to fly and I was like, hell yeah, this is awesome. I love this. So flying around, you know, you're just like, I mean, the mechanics are great. Like you fly when you're about to get overheated, you can get down close to water and it'll cool your, your suit down, revive you, or you can just drop to the ground, let it recharge, fight some bad guys and then jump back up in the air. Um, I think it's nice that it does have a charge to it because it allows you, I mean, that adds a whole nother debt layer of depth to the gameplay, especially when we were in the stronghold fighting that dude, like you, you don't, you can't just be flying around forever. You fly around a little bit. You have to get back on the ground, let it recharge. And that adds a complexity to the combat mechanics by having that recharge system in play. And then if you get webbed, you drop down the ground, you have to then change your gameplay style to react to that, that moment. So that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, Cause getting a cool system, you're stuck in one place for a while and then it overheats your, your 
thrusters or boosters or whatever, and you have to let that cool down. But it ha- that has a lag time too. So if you get webbed, like when we were get- we kept getting webbed during this boss, and you'd have to run away from the boss, and it adds a, a little suspense because you know that boss is huge and it's fast and shooting more stuff at you. So, but uh, flying was cool because you can actually dodge stuff, right? And I didn't realize that. I just naturally hit B, and for some reason, I. I just, I dodged some of that web yeah. stuff, and I was like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. And you can hover in air and shoot from above if you need to. Right. And move around a little bit, which still takes up, you know, the, the yeah. amount of boost that you have. Yeah. But, but the hover I is mean, fun. I love just, like, like when I want to shoot out, because playing as a ranger, that's what the class that you start with. It's the only class you can play at the very get-go. And being able to, like, fly up in the air and, like, get a height and then aim my my grenade down to like hit yes. the people like that was the strategy i was using is like fly up drop that down come back on the ground shoot my rocket turret at them and then take off their head with headshots for the rest of the way through right. the game um that was really cool but yeah the gunplay is really solid so far i heard that as you advance through the game and unlock new guns they don't feel as uniquely different as they could or do in destiny right but I'm curious to see how that changes because there does seem to be a lot of customization options in this game. There's a lot of different types of weapons. There's the rare, I've, I just unlocked my first rare gun. So that was cool. Um, yes, customization Like you go into the menu and you can customize, you know, your javelin to like pretty, like it's pretty intensive, but I was hoping there'd be some customization for the guns, which it might be in the, in the game. I don't know. But. Yeah, like attachments and stuff like that. Well, there's like the crafting later on that you can like craft new weapons and um and there's the enhancements that you can get, like the components that I but I guess that's part of your suit though, that's part of your javelin. I bet you there will be something. I mean, I get how the javelin is like the most cut like th- that that should be like the focus of customization. Which is fine because like you can uh, you know, your abilities, like I have a well wait, I guess we both have the missiles that the lock on missile that shoots out. Yeah, and then I have uh, the homing grenade, so I throw it and it breaks up into four different grenades and like follows shot, somebody. Scatter shot or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, that's that's actually really cool. Then you can go into just a normal grenade, or um, I don't know, I I didn't see what else they had in there, but it's nice that you can go in there and then customize like different parts of your javelin to make it like different. Um, like some could be metal, some could be rusted metal, some could be plastic, some could be plate, and like all that reflects the light differently so like you can really get in there and customize different parts i kind of went for a midnight blue look feeling with some gold trim and some white as like i guess the dominant color and then they have uh what was it called or those um the the kind of different paint jobs that they have they call it something different like vinyl or something yeah the vinyl is the stickers basically you stick on your your character yeah yeah so i think those are pretty cool to kind of help change up the pattern of how you're how how you would paint your javelin so i'm curious to know how all these play into the economy and how you how the economy actually works because apparently this the way the economy works now in the demo is going to be different so everything we were buying was like 25 gold and i think i had a total of like 100 to start out with or yeah. something like that yeah so it's cool to see some of the different options that you can get and uh how that all kind of customization works out in the end, which I can see myself getting pretty deep in that because if you feel badass, you want to look unique, you know, and it was cool to, to group up with some of the, the, the people in the world and they're just, you know, the plain Jane, how you start out with. And then you look at me and Brett and we look different and unique 
Yeah. And, you know, that feels cool. I really enjoy yeah. that about customization. <clears throat> if you can get that deep into it. Yeah. But I think it'd be nice to have different mods for the guns. So it's like, here's, you know, your gun and uh, kind of like, um, um, uh, I guess battlefield or something. Yeah. Or like, like PUBG, where you yeah. can like put on different attachments and right. make it different, make it feel the way you want it to feel and act the way you want it to act. Instead of just like, here's a gun, and now it does this better, and now it does that better, because that's what it seems like. Yeah, it's like now it shoots faster, or does more damage, and you just go from gun to gun, and you know they look different, but they act the same way. I bet there's some parts of this game that are still hidden away from us pretty heavily that they haven't quite yet revealed yet which hope so has me excited i mean i like i think the menu system is pretty well designed there i have so when i first saw this game i thought it was really interesting how they went with such a like drastically drastic shaped ui with a very slanted like angled uh menu systems and stuff like that and i was like this is really cool looking as you navigate through it's a little bit weird kind of like as you're going through the different because you know you press up and down to go from row to row of an inventory item for example but it's like awkward in a way because you think you'd have to like go down to the right because of the orientation of that sharp edge so it's just, I mean, that's like a user interface thing that's kind of odd to me. But then I just realized you just go up and down and that's basically, you just have to get your mindset into thinking that you're not actually going diagonal. You're just going up and down in that right. list of stuff. Right. But I like the look of it because it's so different than anything else that people have done, like from right. a menu standpoint. And like the way the javelin, you customize that, you have the different pinpoints on your character say like here's where your main weapon is here's where your secondary and this in this game you can carry three weapons which is nice so like in i mean destiny has that too but and here you have your primary your secondary and then your heavy weapon or whatever that yeah. that might be yeah um but there's a lot of cool and the battles get cool tough. things in here we they do get overrun. really tough yeah i was like holy crap and like they send waves and waves and just like Destiny, you have, you know, for the Fallen, they have the drop shits to come in, but they, they have, like, warp portals or something yeah. like that. And, you know, you kill one wave, and the warp portal spawns behind you, you turn around, there's a whole slew of Huge people that of just them, came yeah. in. You're like, oh, fuck, like, now we got to kill all these guys? Like, yeah. It's tough. The lot, there is some cool enemy variety in there. I don't know what the, the history is of it yet, but right. I do like that they... One of the things that I really appreciated with Mass Effect, because this is Bioware, so they made Mass Effect, and this is their first multiplayer game and it's I'm very shocked at how well defined and developed this game is at this point you know bugs and shit aside but like how well that they've established just the core gameplay components and this world that they've built um and you can see that Mass Effect Bioware kind of history come through because like they have used to have the codex or whatever that you can read the background backstories of all the stuff if you wanted to. And I love sitting there and like, you know, digging in that stuff just to learn more about this game. And here they have the Cortex, which is basically the exact same thing. And if you want to know more about these people that you're fighting, you can open this up and like read the history of this race or this type of world or whatever and that's pretty cool but it seems like there's going to be a decent amount of story content shoved in there um well, believe it or over not time i'm i if i get this game i'd be excited to read for the first time like what some of the stuff is yeah because like destiny or any other game i guess any other bioware game honestly i never pull up the library thing and, and look through some of the stuff i'm like look either tell me in the game 
in a way that's interesting or I don't want to go to another object. I don't want to sit in my computer and read stuff when yeah. I have a game <laughs> I could be playing. Right. But I think some of these creatures definitely need to be filled out. Yeah. And if it requires reading for this one, I think, I think it, yeah. it'd be worth it because it's so, such a new different world. Yeah. And it's short enough. And so one, one thing that this is completely off topic, but still relevant to what we're talking about, you know, destiny going through destiny's worlds and stuff. It's very, very linear in it's per and it's the way that the game plays. Like whether you're playing a strike or a raid or what have you, there's, there's a very linear kind of progression to the space. And in this game, there is also some linear progression to it, but I like that they consciously, I feel like they must've made this decision super early. I mean, I, it's a, it's a natural decision, but I appreciate that it is so ingrained in the level design and that you are a javelin character. You can fly, give me freaking space to fly. And every single one of these battle arenas is vastly open when you enter into that space. So you can like when we were fighting the stronghold bad guy, like you could jump up in the air and fly so high up in the air and like loop around in big, huge circles. And that space was large enough for you to one, get away from people to see kind of your, your, you know, you could have like an eye line of like what you wanted to do next. And that was a cool, like every arena that we played in or like space that we, we battled in was vast and open like that, which made sense because of the fact that you have the ability, you have this gameplay mechanic to fly around. And I thought that was really good that they made that consciously in every aspect of the game that you're playing. Like there's no real like tight spaces like there was in destiny. It's all very open, but it still looks very dense with, stuff yeah like you get on the ground and it's dense yeah like there's stuff everywhere like you cut good cover good cover for your enemies yeah like again with the portals opening like they spawn behind stuff and like around things so you easily get surrounded yeah even when you're on the ground so i mean you're kind of i know i, I kind of got into the mode where I, like i shoot a few people and i take off land somewhere else shooting a few, few more people wait for my abilities to charge shoot the missiles and the grenades out and then go somewhere else and kind of yeah. just do this guerrilla style tactic tactics, which is nice for this game that allows you to take advantage of the flying mechanics in battle. Right. And it's not just a, you know, transport from one location to the right. next. And, um, hopefully they do some cool stuff. Cause I think, yeah, with your, uh, with your melee attack, if you come flying in and you're coming down, you can slash down. Yeah. So all, almost like and a kind of like attack, there's a dash but, in a way too. Yeah. But it's not really like a, you know, AOE type thing. Yeah. It's more of a like, I'm going to hit this guy right here. Yeah. I or don't know you, if it does more damage or not. But. Or if you like jump up, it kind of like does like a slash up and you can oh, really? like, like if you jump up at a guy, it kind of like you can jump and like dash forward up at him. Like, oh, in that area. Way, yeah. yeah. So that's, there is some like, you can take that melee attack and do right. it differently based on your, where you are in the space. Right. So well, I just hope that the economy and, and, you know, all the loot box stuff doesn't mess us up like it did in all the other EA yeah. games. Well, they, there won't be any loot boxes. Well, yeah. stuff, so that's been confirmed, which is good. But yeah, the uh, the shards, there's been a lot of controversy about like what that economy is going to be, how much things are going to cost. And <clears throat> they've come out and said that, like, don't worry, this is not the final. But I hope that they there's going to be some controversy no matter what happens. Like somebody's going to be complaining about something. So um, but it doesn't matter what they think. It's matter what, it matters what we think. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, it matters what the inner gamer thinks. Um, but I think it's a it's an interesting game. I just hope that when it launches, it doesn't have any super broken components to it. But um, 
I'm excited. Like I'm, I'm looking forward to this. This is the first like live service game we have this year and it's, it didn't disappoint and it offers some things that, I mean, destiny obviously is still to me like one of the best console shooters that's ever existed, but, um, it, there was a lot of other pieces to it that were not as exciting. I like that this is a different take on that same kind of like, you know, type of game and I'm interested to see what Bioware can do on the story front and the uh, loot grind front. Like, can they make this interesting and keep me coming back to it or month after month? Because it's another last thing I want to touch on this is that it was so like, I, I do not want to play this game by myself. There yeah. was not a component yeah. to this game that was like, I would sit here and do this by myself because I tried doing free play. It was hard as shit. And I was like, I need friends. Like, I got to have at least one person in here flying with me. Exactly. Otherwise, it's just not going to work. That's what so, I thought because I was about to do a mission. But I was like, I don't want to do this mission by myself. Yeah. Like, and have because because you're so powerful, like having your friends there and communicating. Yeah. Like, made that so. That's probably why we had such a good time yeah. playing it. I think any other, it, it would have been too difficult. Well, I wouldn't say it'd been difficult. It would have felt more difficult. Right. Just playing with people. Cause I don't know how you in-game chat yet. I didn't really care to look it up. But See, I don't know either. Um, I mean, I guess there is an in-game chat. I would assume there there's is. gotta be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cause they, they showed in those demos that people were like talking to each other as they were playing the I mean, game. So, Discord, you know, well, yeah, you know yeah. Well, there was an in-game UI for it. So they had okay. they had a user okay. interface in the one of the demos they showed from E three or something where you would see people's names pop up on this the, uh, the, okay. on the UI of Anthem. That wasn't the the revealed trailer, was it? No, the it was late, well that one had it too. But then later on they brought out another that one where they actually it. showed the UI. Okay, yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. So well, um, yeah, interesting. So two weeks, it's coming out. So <laughs> it's right around the corner. So you have Metro Exodus <clears throat> coming out very soon after. Like, holy shit, man! Jump Force coming the out. Storm too. is here. Yep, yep. Anyway, it's happening. So you want to talk about? Yes, another let me game quickly you've been jump in the, to our next game, Kingdom Hearts Three. It's here. Oh, it's come out, and I totally forgot it came out until so I looked at my calendar. I was like, oh shit, it came out two days ago. So I got it. I jumped into it. It's a whole new experience. And Austin's never played it, by the way. Never played any of these games. Yep. And then I got this game. My girlfriend's like, oh, you got Kingdom Hearts. I played that. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, man, everyone's played Kingdom Hearts to some degree. Yeah, they have. And so uh, it was like an hour to get going. They had this really long like intro thing, you know, introducing all the people who made the, like, the made team who made the game and stuff like that. Director, yeah, that's very Japanese and stuff, style. Yeah. It was cool, you know. I know what I'm getting myself into, even though I've never played this game before. Everyone talks about it. I've seen v- videos and stuff. Do like they have that. a like a good introduction to the story, like where we are now yes. at this point? So you get going with your character, and you do some like tutorial fighting uh, levels, and then it's like, do you want to know what's happened? And it's like, yes. And so you can run down. Was it four, five, six? I don't know. It's like all these little books that tell us about each each of the stories that have happened so far. Gotcha. They're pretty quick. They're like maybe five minutes a piece, maybe. Yeah. And so it's really nice to kind of get the main points, get to know people who are going to be coming up, and then you jump into the actual world. And um, the one thing I don't like about this game is, I mean, again, I never played any of them, but it feels like it's taking that old style game from like PlayStation, PlayStation 2, you know, way those fighting games used to be and like heavy tutorials, they kind of just throw you in there in a way. And it just, the gameplay and style kind of feels old and dated. Yeah. 
I don't know how else to say that. Like, I don't really know. that. That's my general impression of it. It might not be. But I think nowadays, a lot of the stuff feels more fluid. And I felt like when I was playing, I was getting stopped a lot by menus, stopped a lot by tutorials, stopped a lot by cutscenes. And that's fine. Like, you know, you find a few guys and you go into a cutscene, which isn't like, the biggest deal ever. But <clears throat> and then you, obviously you got the black screen of loading, which is you go from fighting to black screen to cutscene to load screen to another cutscene. It's just like, oh, this is like, it's just not fluid at all. It really bothers me. But as I got more into it, like the mechanics were pretty simple and all you do is hit, right? And then what I didn't like is that you, to do magic is you have to scroll down on on the directional pad. Yeah, that's like the JRPG style of gameplay Freaking right there. I hate that. Yeah. So you go down and you have to like stop battle. Valkyria and Chronicles and all that stuff is just like like that. I was like, I'm hoping no one's coming at me right now because I need to select this, this you know, uh, magic. Yeah. You know, and I start off with water and fire and I shoot it at somebody. And if you're not locked on anybody, it just goes off in a direction, whichever you're facing. I'm like, ah, oh, this is this awful. <laughs> like, I yeah. hate this. So I hardly use magic unless I really have to. But um, as you progress, you get more combos become unlocked. And so now I can turn into my second form, which makes me more powerful. And then uh, I guess that allows me to unlock different special moves I can do. And uh, I guess this was the same for the other games, but they're on a timer. So, like, I can use these within a certain time span. And so, like, I can, uh, like, Donald Duck. I'm with Donald Duck and Goofy. And so, like, Donald will come and me and him, like, twirl around shooting... um, fireworks in all directions yeah. so like if we're in a mob or something i can shoot all of them at once and do a lot of damage and then uh goofy has like a i forgot what it was called it's like a slam attack so me and him jump up in the air and then uh, i throw him down on the ground with his shield and he does an aoe slam attack nice and then one of the i guess more powerful moves is i, I don't know i call it the power i forgot what they actually call them it's like one of those flow motion ride moves yeah I jump onto a ship made of like neon dots or whatever, and it just goes in a pendulum back and forth, and you know you hit attack to like go forward, and so you can actually just go around in a circle, just penduling people in the face and, and killing them. That's cool. Uh, There's another one where I got to get on the uh, the teacup ride. Yeah. So like me, Goofy, and Donald were all in the teacup, just going in this giant room and hitting everybody. <laughs> people are spawning and they're dying, and then. Last one I did, I was fighting a, a Titan because you start off in the Hercules world. Oh, that's cool. So you meet Hercules, Hades. Hades has summoned the, the, the Titans, and so you fight the Rock Titan. And uh, I did one of the, the ride moves, and I was on um, a roller coaster, and I was shooting uh, uh, fireworks at the guy. Yeah. So like he would try to swing at me, and I'd hit his hand away, and he'd you know go back, and then i shoot him in the face and just take down his health and... That was really cool. So as you progress, like those combinations that you can do become a lot more engaging and that made the game a lot more fun because at right. first you're just hitting people and I'm like, this is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is not fun because the game would just keep stopping to like tell story bits yeah, or like load screens. And I was just like, this is not fluid at all. It really bothers me. I was like, I hope this isn't the whole game. It very much could be that just like, you know, that's, that's their style, you know, it that they, be, yeah, you know, like exactly. if you look, if you've, you know, I mean, you've played Japanese RPGs before, but they definitely like kind of like stick this. with their, their thing. Well, I mean, it's like, they have like a thing, like a shtick that they've been doing for the, from the beginning. They never really change it a whole lot. Right. Like if you look at Pokemon, for example, like it's been the exact same kind of, format forever just like enhancements upon that right formula which the formula 
today feels kind of dated in a way, but it's still fun to play. Right. But yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I bet Kingdom Hearts is kind of pulling from that a little bit. Right. Because doesn't, doesn't a Final Fantasy have that same menu effect where you have to like go through the menu, switch your magic and different stuff like that? Like, isn't that part of the game mechanic? I can't remember. I feel like it, it was in there. Because, I mean, this game is, like, I mean, basically for, Final Fantasy and Disneyland. Like, but, you do attacks and stuff, and then you can unlock, like, other attacks and use your friends to, like, throw you and stuff like that. In the same kind of basis. But I don't remember going into menus too much to, like, change things up. It's more like it's all on the keys, you know? Okay. You know, because a lot of games nowadays, like, you just do different key combinations and stuff like that to do different attacks. Right. And that's what I was expecting, but it's just, like, you attack, you can throw magic. Yeah. You can jump. Yeah. You can dodge. And then eventually you can do these other attacks that allow you to do better, yeah. cooler things and kill enemies a lot quicker. So, I mean, I guess there's like a whole other in-game thing where you can chain stuff together, which I haven't figured out yet, uh, figured out yet I guess. But uh, overall, it's, it's fun. I'll have more to talk about next week. But. Yeah. yeah, I'm definitely going to play it by next week too. I have it. I just haven't booted it up yet. So right. it's going to be on my list of things to do this week, hopefully. Sure. If- Life doesn't get in my way. And I was like, man, you know what? I haven't seen Hercules in a while. So me and Lizette watched Hercules last night. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, that's I played. I was like, yeah, this was a good movie. Pretty sweet. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for the games we played this week. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and tell a friend about us. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with our video game news. You're listening to The Inner Gamer. Time for our video game news. In this segment, we share what's hot from the week in the gaming industry. And we are at that time where we're about to transition from a period of a generation of consoles to a period of a new generation of consoles. The generational transitional hype is real and it's coming. These these moments always scare me. They scare you? You never know what's going to happen. No, you don't. Everything's going to change just like we saw now. Yeah. that are this generation with Xbox One, PlayStation, right. PlayStation killed it. Xbox One sucked. So, will Xbox has Xbox been holding out all these years just to make the next one fantastic? I don't know. I mean, Xbox One was good. It definitely was awesome, but it very I know we're well. Talking about Sony, but you know. yeah, well, yeah. So the story <laughs> at hand here: Sony has reportedly been shifting first-party development focus onto the PS5. The PS5 dev kits are out there, and things are looking pretty solid about what it's going to deliver. This is an article we're pulling from IGN, and basically, what they're doing is they still have some things up their sleeve for this year. There's still some unannounced games that haven't been revealed like that have been ready. in development. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pod, but yeah, like I mean that's been revealed, but well, like, I mean, brand new games that we haven't uh, heard about uh, yet gotcha. that have been in development that are still going to come out for the PS4 generation. So just because this uh, is a thing doesn't mean that about first party the PS titles or yes, both oh, oh first party and third party. Wow. So there's still games that have. So what they're saying in this article is that. Sony is now shifting focus for all news, all studios that so do first party ready. to make new stuff. Yeah. Man, so they have the consoles that. in their things and like now the development cycle is beginning and apparently only like 18% of them have like shifted the focus. Um, uh, 18% of developers are actively developing for the next console generation, but Sony is definitely jumping on that bandwagon to Question prepare for, for that. I don't know if you know this, 
I know at everything. what point in the cycle of switching consoles does the dev kits go out? I would assume the PlayStation 5 is nearing its... Obviously, they're going to announce it next year. Yeah. This year, whatever. Like, the dev kit... What do the dev kits mean in all this? Like, where are we in PlayStation 5? Is it at its... Like, is it almost finished? I mean, if kits are out there, obviously, there's an infrastructure that's already in place. Yeah. So would that mean that PlayStation 5 is ready to like, let's do this? You know what I mean? Or yeah. Are we still on that cycle to completion for next year? I think, I feel like they I mean, probably had handed out the dev kits sometime last year. And then now we're at the point where we are a year, some maybe six months in a development of said games. And the first set of those games will oh. be coming out next year in 2020 holy shit you think that i think so huh. yeah i bet we're gonna hear something about it this year because like there's there's a reason why ps playstation is like pulling out of e3 they're not True. just doing it True. just because there's there's something that they're working towards there was no psx last year they're right. doing that this year i would be very very shocked if they don't announce something pretty big this year in some capacity some kind of thing i don't know what it's going to be but i feel like they have to do some kind of hype they might do a project scorpio kind of thing where they hey we got this badass console it's going to do all these cool things it comes out next year right but i bet we're going to hear something this year and then it's going to release maybe fall of next year yeah so that would then give all these people that have had devs dev kits since last year a good three years of development to make these new games chances are they've been working on these game engines for longer but they haven't had the hardware in hand to develop for it yet man can you imagine i mean sony's been killing it with the playstation pro yeah and it's not even like the best apparently oh yeah so i can only imagine what they'll bring it's next generation. Yeah. Like, so, it's going to be ultra HD 4K. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> Not like up res 4K or whatever the heck that they act, that they have. Because apparently the Xbox One has like true 4K or whatever. You know? Right. So. Which, know. you know, a lot of people argue the back and forth between like, oh yeah, the Xbox One X is so much better 4K. I'm like, I don't really care. Like, it looks badass. Like, yeah. g- like yeah. freaking Spider-Man and Red Dead look so oh. good on the 4K oh. TV with PS4 Pro. Even on 1080p, like, it looks amazing. Yeah. Like, I haven't seen like a huge, huge difference between the two. So I'm not too concerned about those things. And I'm like coming from the PC gaming world where it's, you know, gotta be good and gotta be amazing. But... There's there's not as much of a divide as there used to be between PC graphics and console graphics anymore. Crazy, which it's is kind of nice. Yeah. So there you have it. Sony is working on PS5, and it should be exciting. I can't wait. And then Xbox also is working on their stuff, which a whole other story. But they're going to possibly have two consoles that they're going to be working on. One which is exclusively cloud streaming, um, no disc available in that system. The other one's going to be more higher end kind of system so we'll see what that becomes um later on uh all right so overkills the walking dead came out not too long ago and uh it was basically not very good i think you played a little bit of it didn't you and said it was like meh yeah i think they had like a demo or something yeah Yeah. and it was it was it was it was not yeah it wasn't anything worth talking about yeah and should go to show how 
no one's really been talking about it. I like, I totally forgot about it after I played the demo. So yeah. And there was so much leading up to it. Like, Oh, this is going to be really, really, there were, there was some moments where there was, there was some hype. hype. Yeah. There was some and hype. then it would drop off and then there was moments of hype again and then it would drop off. Well, so this Swedish studio, um, Starbreeze studios has been working on this forever. And then some people haven't honestly come out in an interview and have said that this game was basically a turd from the get-go because what happened was they started working on this game in their own engine. They were building it in an engine that was going to be theirs. And then they decided after working on this game that they would abandon um, their engine that they were working on this entire time and shift it to Unreal Engine made by Epic Games, which we'll talk about later on, um, costing them a lot of resources and a lot of cash because they've been building on this proprietary engine and now they have to rebuild everything to Unreal in like a year. So the internal development studio was like, shit. Like we just did all this work, did all this stuff. And they're like, oh, this is going to solve all the problems that we have by using Unreal. But they were like giving them an unrealistic deadline to turn this thing around. So they were working super, super hard trying to get a triple A multiplayer game done up in a year. And everybody was like, this has just failed from the beginning. It almost sounds like the fire festival issues. If you guys have been watching that documentary and I've been obsessed with it, <laughs> like the Hulu one and the, oh, the Netflix man. one, like that is the same kind of shit that just happened here. Almost like, they're just like, let's, let's do this thing in an unrealistic amount of time and see what happens. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So it was failed from and, the beginning and it sucks that they did not deliver on a good co-op shooter. Cause this could have been the next left for dead, but it's not. I mean, this is a, this is an industry wide issue and it blows my mind. that This is still a problem is like, you look at all these successful games that people try to replicate and stuff like that. And you'd be surprised that it takes like four or five years of intense work of, you know, creating something, sometimes scrapping it and starting over like we saw yeah. for Overwatch. And it's like, how do these developers and are not, well, not well, some developers and publishers not understand that it takes time and dedication and resources to make something amazing? Yeah. And they expect these things to be whipped out in a year or two years or three years to make an impossible to make game. Yeah. And then we get destiny, you know, we get destiny. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or, or overkills the walking dead. It's like, come on, how long has the gaming industry been around? There's definitely a clear divide between developer and publisher that needs to be fixed. And it's like, guys, expectations. you don't have to play all these games to understand the stuff. You can just look at user reviews and stuff like that. They don't do that. So it just, it just, again, we're in 2019. Yeah, it's the best of times. It's the worst of times. It is. It is. But we got some great games coming out this year. We do. We do. And I cannot wait. So yeah. So 2019 has been pretty, uh, pretty exciting so far. We've had some good stuff happening. In addition to that, uh, Epic Games, man, Epic Games has their store. We heard about it at the big, huge game awards. They had this big, huge push. They were like, hey, this is going to be exclusive. This is going to be exclusive. This is going to happen. And I was kind of excited about it when they first announced it. I was like, this is cool. This has a nice design. Like, it looks good. And I think it's fair that Steam needs some competition. Agreed. However, this story just came out, and basically um, Epic is like, in a way, declaring war on Steam. Um, because they did this thing where Metro Exodus came out and published by Deep Silver, and this game is coming out literally in a couple weeks. It's not far away. And they were like, hey, we're going to release this game, and it's been on Steam for 
since they announced the game to pre-purchase, right? $59.99, buy the game on Steam, that's there. Now they were like, okay, 18 days before launch, we're going to pull it off of Steam, and now it's going to be exclusive to the Epic Game Store. So not only is it going to be exclusive to Epic Game Store, it's going to be sold for $49.99 instead of $59.99, which is cheaper than it was on the on the Steam Store. I haven't read to see, you may know this, but I'm not sure if people are going to get a discount or a refund because of that price difference. But I know Steam? that they bought it for $59.99 on Steam, right. but they're going to get Why Epic not, Games code. getting it. See, so now that's some bullshit right there for sure. But then in addition to that, this is now going to be on here. and It's going to have timed exclusivity for a year on Epic Games only. So that's been a big backlash with a lot of people because they're like, you're now forcing me to leave Steam and go buy it on this just because you want to make some more money. And they do make more money because Epic takes less. They're selling it for less. But in reality, that's like it's like it, when you break it down, it's like a $2 difference of how much you're going to actually profit off of this because of the price reduction and then also because of the uh, difference return. in the percent. Yeah. <clears throat> so just thoughts. Yeah, I just don't... I, I wish I would have bought this on Steam sooner because this is a game I want to play on my PC because I played the other two on my PC, and now I might buy it for PlayStation Four just so I, because I don't want I don't want to use the Epic Game Store. Yeah, well, I've if already you had it. bought it sooner. You still would have been screwed anyway. Because well, I don't. Because this is another thing. It's like because of the price difference. No, because the people that bought it on Steam are going to get an Epic Games key. They're well, if you bought it on Steam. Steam digitally, you'll get it on Steam. But if you bought it physically. For some reason, on PC, you're going to get a code for for the Epic Game Store. Uh, I was thinking that they changed that. You Unless might be that right. Might though. be a miscorrection. Yeah. Um, as far as I know, that's how it is. Okay. For some reason, someone wants it on PC and got a digital copy. I don't understand why. Yeah. Anyway, so I think this this should have been on Steam and it should have been on Epic Game Store, and then Deep Silver should have been like, hey. It's better if you get it on the Epic Game Store because you can get, you know, $10, $10 off and, you know, some all this other stuff because technically Steam is a better platform overall. It's had time to grow. It's had time to work out the kinks. You know, it has streaming now. It has better chat. Like all the stuff here on Steam is better. And to move it over to the Epic Game Store, which is technically the lesser of the two platforms because it doesn't have all this stuff in it and it's still growing. It's still in its infancy. It just doesn't. You're dividing customers and people are a little upset. Like this is bad PR. Obviously, it'd be bad PR regardless, but I think it's to a bigger degree than uh, easily could have been, you know, mitigated a little bit. Yeah. And now we're here at this big, another controversy from another big game title. And um, it does kind of bother me because for me, I don't, I just, there have been issues with the privacy policy for Epic games, which might be fixed over time uh, due to the GDPR. Is that right? Yeah. GDPR. Yeah. Over in the UK, um, there are some very great areas within the privacy policy that does raise some questions and issues that I rather not deal with right now. 
like becoming part of the Epic Game Store, which technically I already am part of the Epic Game Store. I played Fortnite. I bought season pass for one of the four, like two, right. two, three seasons ago. So technically, I'm already in it. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like I don't want to. Like, I don't play Fortnite now. I don't use the launcher. You know, I use Steam. Steam is my go-to. It's your go-to. It's yeah. like a significant portion of PC gamers' go-to platform. Right. So to take that off Steam and to make it a exclusive for Epic doesn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense for a console war maybe because that's where we've seen it there mostly. But to do it on, I've never seen it on PC like this. This has never happened yeah. to my knowledge. But on like not going against what you're saying, but just like being playing devil's advocate here. Damn it, Brett. Like how you know how is it? This is just something I want to explore because I just yeah, yeah, when no, you brought that up, I was thinking I was like, so we encourage exclusivity for consoles because of the fact that like we have you know fandom for like say PS4 versus Xbox, blah blah blah, and then so like you want to buy a PS4, like that's how you differentiate yourself by having exclusivity on your console versus another console, and that's what helps boost sales, right? And then now on PC, we've never had that, but now we do, but we don't think it's as much of a bad thing. I mean, some people do say it's a bad thing, but I haven't been too bothered by like the fact that like my thing is PS4 because they have better exclusives. That's why I buy a PS4 versus an Xbox Um, with Epic Games and then now Steam in the game and those two competing with one another. And then, you know, you could say Origin and like GOG and all these different things by them getting exclusive rights. You're now creating that. Okay, well, this is my preferred platform. This is my preferred platform. Um, It's the same kind of thing. But... I think the reason why we don't react to it well is because we've been so accustomed and used to Steam. Like basically when you're on PC, your platform is Steam and that is the platform. But I think it's it's good that this is coming out and that there is this competition. But I think the way in which Epic Games is going about it is slightly deceptive and a little bit aggressive, I guess. You know, where because Steam over time, if you think about it, like Steam is a monopoly. Like they literally are a monopoly. Totally agree. They yeah. control everything. Totally agree. And that's great and dandy until they do something wrong. Right. And then that's when people are like, oh, Steam's the worst, blah, blah, blah. This is crazy. Like when they did that whole, let's let everybody come in on our platform and not regulate what's going on, there was people up in arms about that. So now with Epic Games coming into play and then Discord trying to get in the market and all those you know different platforms trying to do it, it makes it to where there's more competition, which I think is healthy. It's free market. You know, people these things come out, they change the system because Epic Games like now you get more money for these games. Whereas on Steam you didn't get as much money. So it's better for developers in a way except for when Epic is like, no, we're going to steal this and snatch it over and bring it over here. Right. And that little practice was what I think fucked things up. So like from a global standpoint, I think Epic Games existing with a store is a good thing, but the way that it's happening, like the way that it's, the 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 timeline is going is problematic. And I think Epic needs to really, they need to be for the people. Steam is for the people. Like right now, they've always been for the people. They are open. They let everybody come in there. The platform's great. It functions right. It's had a lot of issues. Like in the early days, it was garbage. I hated it. And now it's like super good and they've like gained the trust of people. Epic Games needs to do that same thing um, and gain the trust of people and be like, hey, we're not trying to be deceptive and stuff. We're a market just like you. And I think by 
offering these incentives that they do to these publishers, they're making the wrong decisions in that regard. And then publishers are making the wrong decisions by, and you know, Epic Games might've been like, you know, if you come to our store, we want you to come to our store and you can get some extra money out of it. We'll like throw you a bone or whatever, yeah. but you can't be on Steam. Right. So maybe, it, cause like, I think that it's wrong that Deep Silver decided to pull the game and not do it on both platforms, but maybe Epic pushed them over the edge to do that. And in that case, that's bullshit on Epic Games point of view. Um, so in my opinion, I disagree with your first point um, because this is a third party title. It's different that, you know, Sony Santa Monica is making God of War or Spider-Man, you know, like those are for that console specific. To my knowledge, you can get Metro Exodus on the consoles as well. So right. it's not made by uh, Steam. It's not made by Epic. So right. it's a third party title. Sony is, those studios were third party titles up right. until Sony purchased them. Exactly. So it's not. But they're making that game specifically for a certain console. It's not like yeah. I'm making a third party game and now it's going to be exclusively on, on this right. thing. And you know, originally it was going to be on steam and yeah. they pulled it. So it's for me, it's different. Like Fortnite's not on steam because it's an Epic game. And they have their own launcher. Right. Right. You know, and you know, left for dead isn't on Epic store because it's a steam game. Yeah. Yes. It's on consoles now, but you know, originally those games were, you can only get those yeah. there. And that's where I make the differentiation that the difference between, this game and other games just like yeah it. like no I completely agree with that happened. that was you know that 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 was uh, I completely one hundred percent agree with that because that's this is this is where it's a different situation but I think from a global perspective like this exclusivity is a good thing it it should exist in some capacity right but this shouldn't exist as it was done in this particular right. instance I mean it's last you know like yeah thing. like when when like, when Epic came out I was like hey Hades is going to be exclusive and this is going to be exclusive and that's exclusive. I'm okay with that yeah. because you know, like, right off the bat, that's natural. Exactly. Yeah. But so, with this, like last minute, Hey, let's pull it and move it somewhere else. That's just shady business practices exactly. right there. Like same thing with rise of the tomb Raider, how it was PC, my, uh, Xbox exclusive for yeah. a while for a year. And which eventually I think killed that game. But I don't think this will kill this game as much because it is releasing to PlayStation and, and Xbox. So, uh, you know, something like that could happen in that way, in that yeah. regard. But, you know, typically you don't see this on PC. Again, yes, Epic is new. So this yeah. is a whole new situation and era yeah. that we live in. Well, and then um, developers came out. That, well, I think you were showing an article earlier about how some developers came out and said that, you know, if our fan base doesn't buy this game on PC because of this situation, we just won't make games for PC anymore. Right. And when I first read that, I was like, not didn't really have a strong opinion about it, but now that I've been thinking about it more, I'm like, so no, people don't, don't do that. Exactly. That's not, no. that's yeah. not right because you, by saying that you're, you're, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's see, just, people don't it's know not to good to the community. Comment, actually. Yeah. They don't know if it's, you know, an attack at, at gamers or if it's, these are the consequences of what could happen. Yeah. type thing. And it's like, oh, you don't buy our game, well, we're not going to make it for PC anymore. Right. Well, if you're going to have that stance, I'm just not going to buy your game by principle. You exactly, know, like, yeah. I'm just not going to do it because in my opinion, like I have the right as a free person of the world, a human being to decide how I purchase my stuff. Right. And if you're going to restrict that in some capacity, 
you should not as a developer be like, Oh no, let me slap your hand. You shouldn't do that. <laughs> like I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> like right, that's just exactly. how it's going to be like Patrick Sutherland going out. Like, well, if you don't like it, don't buy my game. I won't buy your game. Cause I can do whatever the hell I want and I'm going to do that. So the right decision would be to come out to the public and do like a more diplomatic kind of approach to it and be like, Hey, like, we're sorry you don't like this, but know that this is, there's there's reasons we're doing this and it's for this this and this and explain it in a non-direct way like they're not shooting at like going at somebody and saying like hey this is how it is instead they should be like no this is why we're doing like just explain like lay it out lay the facts out like when nintendo dropped and said that they're doing they're canceling metroid not canceling rebooting metroid prime 4 that was the right kind of voice to put to that announcement to where it didn't piss people off. They're like, exactly. we don't like the way this was turning out. We know you guys want this game, but it's not to our standards. We're going to switch it up. Right. So in this case, Metro Exodus could have come out and said, look, we're a company that needs to make money. We need to profit off of this. And if we moved to Epic Game Store, the numbers show us that we could maybe have a better chance of being able to make another game for you in the future and be more financially stable to do that and support this game. Right. If they came from that perspective, it would have been okay. Exactly. But instead it's like, exactly. we're just going to do it because yeah. and there's no more like money. real reason behind it. Oh, well, no, I mean, I, I was saying if they came out and said that oh, though, yeah, yeah. openly, transparently, I would have been okay with the fact that they were trying to make more money, but pitch it, like position it as we're not doing it because of greed. We're doing it because it's going to make this game better for you in the long run. I would have been fine with the the answer of oh, it's going to make me more money but because they just did it and then we just assume that it's more money but there's no reason about why that was done other than it's probably because you're greedy that's the thing i don't like i mean yes it will help them make more money which in turn will probably help develop more games or even help you know develop more yeah. for this game but they need to say that yeah just and that's it. what screwed up is but that they didn't the time, come out like, and say give any good reason why they were doing this other than they did it. I mean, at the same time, you leave it on Steam and give us a reason why we should buy an Epic Game Store. One, you help make the game better because we're making more money. And then two, maybe you get some free stuff or whatever, you know, yeah. or maybe you get a time, like it comes out sooner for you if you get it on Epic Game Store type thing, you know? Leave it to the Now we don't have a choice. That's the issue is we don't have a choice where we want to play it. Yeah. And people are going to make a choice to not play on the Epic Game Store. Yeah. So, I mean, yes, they have millions of people there. Yeah. Great. I think it's, I think it's ultimately going to hurt their sales because Metro Exodus isn't like the God of War where people are going to rush out the door to go buy this game. I mean, it looks great and everything, but it's not like it's a, I mean, it's a triple A title, but it's not to the caliber of, it's not something that people are incredibly hyped about. And if you put even the slightest bit of, you know, um, the slightest bit of, of, uh, of a barrier in their way to purchase this game, you've lost sales and this is what they're doing. They're losing sales. Yeah. So. Yeah. They're getting bad press. People are going to take a stance. We've seen this already. And it's just like, guys, it's 2019. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we're just going in circles at this point. So on a, on an alternate note, but in the same vein, Dauntless, the Monster Hunter-like kind of game, right. has announced that they are going to join the Epic Game Store and all their com- accounts are going to be converted into Epic Game Store accounts and they're getting rid of their launcher. Now, from this perspective, I think that's a good move 
And the reason being is Dauntless doesn't have to maintain this system when there's one that already exists out there. Exactly. They can then focus on the game. Everybody's going to get their accounts. Their game, their game's not going to change. It's just they're going to launch. They're going to open into one launcher instead of having to have another launcher in addition to Steam, in addition to this, in addition to that. So I think them doing that is a good move, and that was a good transition. But Metrex is doing what they did. That was some bullshit. Yeah. And yeah. it shouldn't be happening. Right. And there's a lot of issues I have with the Epic Games Store in general. Like I was sitting there browsing through it the other day. There's no search feature. You're scrolling through the list. You click on a game. Like one thing that I really, really hate is you're clicking on a game. You're scrolling down. There's a long page. The way it's organized is really nice. Like it's a beautiful home screen where you have like big picture at the top and then you have a little description about the game and then you have some video content and then you have screenshots the screenshots are laid out in a nice grid but you can't open the screenshots and make them bigger that's stupid but then when you get to the very bottom of the page there's no like back you have to scroll all the way back up to the top and then there's a little back to store button in the top corner that's terrible design there's I mean it's little things like that, which is probably some of the minor stuff, but yes, Epic yeah. Game Store is in, in its infancy and it's an inferior part product compared to Steam for better or worse. Yeah. Steam has come a long way. We know we've grown up with Steam when it was bad, like real yeah. bad. And so like Yeah, the you stuff might will all get Steam, there, it's but monopoly, but they should really be focusing more heavily on I mean, they're trying to get all these exclusive big huge titles on there. Let the indie market in here and yes. be like, we'll give you some benefits with stuff yes. to come in here. Don't be exclusivity, but just let's get some numbers of content in right. here. And then while we're doing that, we'll add in features and stuff like that. Because it's not like they're hurting for money. So like exactly. They're they got Fortnite. They got plenty of money coming in yeah. that they can use to enhance the store yes. and focus on making that better so yes. that it makes more sense for you to navigate over to so that game store. They should be developing more games. Not like Fortnite, but like pick up another studio, you know, you know, swallow some major studios. That's a yeah. bad term to use, but use them, give them money, have them create great games. Yeah. It gives people reason to come to your site. You have, you know, triple A title indie games. I, I mean, a triple, triple I indie games or whatever. What do yeah. they call it? I mean, we call it triple I. We okay. just made that up one day, I think. But no, it was, uh, it was like double Yonaman A. Yonaman Nornhagen said that. Oh yeah, triple I, yeah. yeah triple right. I triple I indie games. Like that's what needs to happen. And then you stand apart. Right now, indie is all the craze. No matter where you are, whatever platform you are, people love indie games and they're blowing up. So that's how you make yeah. Epic Game Store better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I yeah. There's a lot there's there's different things that they can do. I mean they have they're going the right direction with the design overall. It needs some work, but it's it's pretty nice. It runs smooth. Like there's a lot of UI issues I have with this the Steam store, but it's not like <laughs> yeah, deadly terrible or in it by any means, but they need to find find their niche. Like what what is that going to be? And um yeah. We'll see what happens. But anyway, we've talked on that subject enough. Let's, yeah, let's move on. Last thing, real quick, little happy thing that I thought was kind of funny and interesting. On Kotaku, this article came out. Overwatch has a new map. Uh, it's set in Paris, and it is on the PTR right now. And it has a piano that actually is a playable piano. And so people are in this making videos of themselves playing songs on this piano, such as Bohemian Rhapsody and freaking uh, different Mario themes and Fertilise and all these different songs. They're sitting there with their guns, like shooting at the different keys because they know the, the way to play it. What? And like it works. And it's there's just a shit ton of videos of people just sitting there 
playing these pianos in this game. And I think that's hilarious. So this is why Here's the Storm was canceled because of spending money to make a playable piano in Overwatch. No. How many, how many millions of dollars does this cost, Blizzard? Huh? Huh? They could have gone no. to Heroes of the Storm, a whole industry that you destroyed. Probably took them a couple hours and they were done. I don't know how long it took. Yeah, it's probably that's pretty cool. easy. I mean, it's but cool. It's pretty funny. Yeah, it's, cool. it's interesting. But Made for a good meme, so. <laughs> um, First meme or, or the hottest meme of 2019 so far? Exactly, yeah. Um, so anyway, that's going to wrap it up for our gaming news this week. If you want to watch these in video format, check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash the inner gamer. You can also see some video content from our PAX South trip that have been dripping out through that platform as well. Make sure you subscribe to get the videos as they launch and stay tuned for our discussion topic where we're going to talk about social experiences in video games. Whoa, 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 whoa. What is that? Stay tuned and find out. You're listening to the inner gamer. Welcome back, everybody. This week's topic of discussion is going to be about real-world social experiences in games. And you might be thinking, what the hell is Brett talking about? Well, yeah, I'm going to tell you a little bit. About? I know, right? It's like, what the fuck? So in today's day and age, everybody's playing video games all the time, right? Like everybody's like in these games and there's all these games as a service systems out there where they're designed to make you play more and more and stick in that world more often. So... Yesterday, this is we're recording this on a Sunday. On Saturday, there is a electronic dance music artist, EDM artist that goes by the name of Marshmallow, and uh, he had put out something on his website that you could RSVP to, where he had his next concert at Pleasant Park, and it was just this random thing that popped in there. What, what state, Brett? What state is it in? It had no state. It was just what? Pleasant Park, and uh, so people are like, "That's interesting." And turns out what he was doing was hosting a virtual concert inside of Fortnite. So people could tune in and RSVP and connect into the server. And in the server, they disabled weapons. So there was, this was a partnership with Epic Games. They disabled weapons so you couldn't shoot each other. And people were in this server and at this point in time, they started a concert and for 10 minutes, there was literally a full-blown production co- concert in Pleasant Park in this Fortnite server. So it went on. It had full light sounds. There was a stage. There was points where they like turned off the gravity down real low. So when you jumped, you like flew high up in the air. People were like doing their emotes and like dancing around. And it was just like five or six song set of his music. And then it was all like pre pre planned and stuff like that. So there was recordings of his voice where he was like, all right, everybody in Fortnite, let's do this. And like his voice was recorded into the game and uh, this just thing happened. And a, a lot of people tuned into it and apparently had a good old time and uh epic games later on released his skin so you could purchase the skin if you wanted to (laughs) and uh it was a big huge spectacle it looked really really interesting and it was this huge virtual concert and there's another one happening today at actually it happened already because we missed we were recording while we were it was happening but uh that's just it's interesting to me that we're seeing these literally live real time social experiences such as going to a concert or a festival being made digitally and let's have a thing that everybody can gather around in at a particular time of day and come and experience this moment at the same time inside this virtual world. And, you know, like 
with VR and stuff like that, like we can see it far future. Like there's, there's those kinds of experiences that we've seen replicated in things like black mirror and, you know, uh, radio player one and stuff where like everything that you do is inside this virtual world in some instances. Um, but this is just like a taste of it. And this exists, this happened. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's a weird, weird thing. I don't know how I feel about it, but how do you feel about it? Well, I remember when Second Life used to be a thing back in the right. late 90s, right? Yep. Like yep. mid-90s or something like that, maybe early 2000s. And like everyone expected that to be like the quintessential, this is like your World of Warcraft meets like Fortnite meets right. like fucking anything you want to do, Jungle Gym, yep. like, you know, Playland of, you know, the next universe or next next generation. And I guess for more or less it was and then eventually kind of, I guess fizzled out or whatever. And uh, I'm not exactly sure what happened to second life. I'm sure it's still around, but definitely nowhere near what Fortnite is or any of these other games are. So it's interesting to see these elements. Now I wouldn't say key elements, but like, I guess this is technically could be a minor element of something like second life come into Fortnite and Epic and Fortnite trying different things to see what they can do to draw on more people and to keep people interested and to keep people coming back. And it is cool. Like, you know, we watched some of, uh, I guess a compilation footage of, I don't know if was that put up by Epic games or not, or Dino, or was that strictly games, game spots video, the video you watch? Yeah. Yeah. No, that was, I think that was an official video that okay. like marshmallow put out or something. I got like you. That, I yeah. got you. Yeah. It's cool. Like it's very interesting. It's unique. Something that, I don't think it's happened before. I can't think of anything. So it like actually that. has happened before. It's okay. interesting because uh, Marshmallow put out a tweet and it was like, just just look at this, y'all. Whenever you, we get older and stuff like that, we'll be telling our kids how you attended the first ever Fortnite or first ever like live virtual concert experience. Turns out it's been done like three or four times in the past. <laughs> uh, it happened in Grand Theft Auto V. Somebody did it. Uh, uh, it happened in another game that I don't remember the name of right now, but it's been done before. But another thing I want to bring up, too, that's interesting is uh, there's this festival that's been going on. Last year, they did a thing called Coachella, which is uh, a virtual festival that took place in Minecraft. And somebody made a festival with a bunch of like up and coming EDM artists who they got together, did a whole shebang for it. And then that was that festival. So this year, uh, this literally happened like two weeks ago. Um, there was another festival, which I think is put on by the same people because the website's the same. But uh, they put on the Fire Festival, but F-I-R-E, not F-Y-R-E. <laughs> and this is a digital festival. It was a two-day festival that had over 50 up-and-coming artists and producers playing music over a two-day period with a multi-platform experience fit for the digital era. So outside of it being a free festival for users, they could engage with it in the comfort of their home and attend from three different platforms. So you could join the Discord chat that would allow you to listen to music and engage in conversation with other users users while when you logged in through the festival grounds in Minecraft, it allowed the attendees the ability to navigate through a robust virtual landscape, see and hear each performance and engage with fellow attendees in a digital setting. Um, so in this, they had tons and tons of artists and uh, the recordings were shared online. So you can go check those out. If you want to see them on SoundCloud, just look up Firefest 2019. And uh, it was a huge deal. It was a very huge success. They had, um, 
87,754 listens, 5.3 thousand unique Minecraft players, 6.5 thousand Discord members, and 28.6 thousand unique website visitors. And uh, the whole entire project was done, ran, everybody loved it, um, and they were raising money to go towards this LGBT um, project called the, the, the Trevor Project and uh, raising money for that to help students, LGBTQ students feel safe and protected in schools and stuff like that. But it was, it was interesting that this is a thing that has existed in multiple capacities and like people are doing these things that are, have been around for 50 years in real life, but now they're coming into this virtual space. And how does that transition like our mindset of how festivals can be done in the future? Because like in my mindset, I'm thinking of, financially like can you actually like charge people for this thing in the future um what what does it look like with like say celebrities like you know you could be you know that time when ninja and drake played together on Fortnite. like what if you have one of these festivals where like literally it was a pre-recorded performance but you could be in the game and then maybe drake was actually like connected to the game and inside the space so you could like have a meet and greet with drake but in Fortnite or inside a game of some kind and that would be something that is much more attainable than having like thousands of thousands of people funnel along a place where like his safety is in question. But and in this case, like you can technically meet this person or influencer of some kind in this virtual world instead and maybe chat with them and what have you. And yeah, almost meet him, but not quite meet him or right. people in general. I think what made this interesting was if, because they had the they, they had marshmallow digitally there with you know pre-scripted yeah. dance moves and movement and stuff like that and obviously the stage was pre-scripted which is kind of cool that you you know you just set that up once and the you know, stage takes care of itself but to have him actually there like mo-capping and like maybe actually DJing from a, a room or something and then you see that in you know the game now, obviously, like physically reacting to, yeah, like, like actively is, that yeah. moment, yeah, like his actual movements are there, so it's it's a little more personable, yeah. Um, obviously, that has a bunch of issues in itself with the, you know lag time and internet stuff, whatever. But I think that would be cool to see that, you know, not just be like this is a prescripted thing. Here's, I mean, at the very least, him actually, you know, was he actually singing and stuff, or like, how was that? No, all he doesn't sing. It's just music. Well, so yeah, like, even when just he's him? playing live, it's it was just recording. Okay, yeah, basically, okay, yeah. yeah. See, I mean, it's cool to a degree, but I think that would push it over the edge to be something interesting. And then you know, if you want to monetize it and be like, here's like your five, ten, twenty dollar ticket. Here's a thirty minute session or whatever. Yeah, and you get some free goodies, you know, to go with Fortnite. I think that'd be enticing. Yeah, you know, and then. If they really wanted to, they could be like, buy his newest CD here or whatever, you know, and Epic takes part of that cut. You know, it could be a huge revolving door of like, buy this, buy that. What'd you think? And, you know, a whole other way to reach people that you normally yeah. wouldn't reach. Yeah. I don't advocate for that because I think right. that's just preying on people. But I mean, I think it, it makes sense for like an electronic artist to do something like this because, again, like when they're playing on stage, they're playing off of a computer. They're running in tracks, but they're they have like sound clips that are attached to different like like a soundboard basically where they they're doing different stuff and adjusting stuff on the fly. So they are doing a live performance, but you could easily just translate that into a recording and have that happen. But I like the idea of it being a live production to where you actually see their mocap stuff. But I definitely think we're a ways away from that being a thing because I mean, if you look in Japan, 
they already have holographic celebrities that are musicians that that is like they're not real they don't exist in the world but they were digitally create created and projected onto a stage and people those concerts sell out but they're real life concerts but in this case you have a in-game concert that you could sell tickets for a smaller price still have this person that was mo-capped and up there on stage dancing around doing the whole thing and uh much lower cost to do it but could potentially be more immersive than like standing there looking up at a virtual person inside of a real world in this case it's a virtual world where you are there but i think vr would be like something that would need to fall into play with that in some capacity exactly that'd be a lot cooler yeah (laughs) so i mean i think it's interesting and and for this to happen it's definitely probably the way to go in general for trying something new in video games um obviously Fortnite has the clout and the people and the resources to make this happen yeah and it it looked like a cool experience yeah pretty cool yeah I mean, I think the biggest thing for it is it's giving us these moments for all of us to kind of have community, like actually get together for a communal kind of thing. Like whenever Fortnite did the freaking rocket launch or whatever, and they were announcing that new season, everybody showed up to see the rocket blast off in the sky at the same time. Yeah. Or like I know when uh, Forza Horizon 4 came out, they were talking a lot on how you could sit there and the, the seasons were all connected to everybody's in the same server so that you could have these communal moments where everybody would get together at, say, 6 p.m. at night to sit there with their cars and watch the sunset at the same time. So these these collective things allow us to bring our groups together more than you normally would in a game where you're typically just running around isolated by yourself unless you're playing with your small circle of friends. Um, so I like that they're doing things of this nature. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, I'm curious to see where, where it, where it evolves and where it goes. Um, because I mean, we've even like, you know, throwing this, this the esports thing into the conversation, like they've, built esports games where you can sit there and like that one game that we talked about a long time ago where they had it was um you know kind of battle royale esque and people jumped into it but then people were sitting there watching it and can dictate and help like drop shit into the game game mode so that was like a you know in an interactive experience where you're all in this virtual world some people are playing some people are spectating but the spectators can impact what's actually happening in that scene um so that's kind of that'd be cool. interesting too. So whole different avenues. This, this we we could go with this. It's just it's just so new. You know what can happen. And, yeah. Um, I guess Fortnite's a good a good entity to take up that and kind of push forward with it. Yeah. I am kind of afraid like where that could lead us. Never to leave your chair. You're always there. I mean, you already don't have to leave your house if you don't yeah. want to. Just saying. Fortnite has a really good... They've done a really good job with their model of keeping people engaged and interested in this game without like overcharging you with stuff. It's like, let's have these events and these moments that happen that bring you back in this world. Yeah. And, you know, Overwatch does it too, but, like, somehow Fortnite's been able to really... Like, they, they get a PR rush every time they drop something out like this, and it... Because they don't take themselves too seriously, and it's already kind of a quirky style to begin with, so to yeah. do something like this is not, like out of the ordinary while overwatch was made to be casual slash hardcore, you know, this is going to be like a tournament thing 
from the get go. So right. it's hard to stray from that already set in stone what they wanted to do. Right. So I mean, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, if y'all have any questions about this or have any input in regards to what the future of this could be like, where do you see the future of these real world social experiences going? Like, could we ever have the point where we're literally sitting there paying $200 to attend a virtual festival inside of a video game? Is that a history that could exist? Like where you have headliners that are as big as the ACLs and the Coachellas of the world where, you know, freaking Beyonce is playing a digital concert inside this video game and people attend this concert just so they can be a part of this experience and say that they were there. And we live in that society where, you know, people want to be say that they were part of this thing, this moment, this, this event that happened that nobody else was at, you know, it's kind of exciting to put that out there. So oh, yeah. VIP access. Yeah, exactly. So if you all have any feedback on this, uh, what you think about it, whether you think it's cool or not cool or just downright stupid, like let us know and uh, drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. You can also join in the conversation and game with us in our discord service completely separate. But if you want to be part of this real world social experience with us, the inner gamer, you should uh, check out the show notes and click that link to visit us in our discord channel and come play some video games with us that'd be pretty awesome oh yeah we're gonna take a quick break and come back with our video game releases and free games of the month of february because it's that time again you're listening to the inner gamer Looking forward to next week, let's talk about our upcoming video game releases and free games of February. First up, we have a new month, and on Xbox, Games with Gold, you're going to get two games this month on Xbox, Bloodstained, Curse of the Moon, and Assassin's Creed Rogue, which I feel like they've given out for free before, so they're like repeating themselves a little bit, which is kind of interesting, but I don't know, maybe that's just what they're going to do. And then if you are a PS4 owner, which I hope you are, because you're getting a much better lineup of games already. So PS4 has been killing it this year, their PS Plus lineup. Uh, you're going to get two games for free that I'm like floored that these are for free. Hitman, the original Hitman of the episodic content. You're going to get all that for free. And then you're going to get For Honor. Like the game is free. You just go on there and download it. Who so if you don't want to jump into For Honor again and see what's changed and what's different and stuff like that, it's free. Don't have to pay for it. And then I'm sure there's a bunch of like transactions and shit that are inside there to like keep you playing. But that's a pretty cool thing. Like I like that they did that and brought it out just because, you know, check it out. Enjoy. Very cool. Very, very cool. So in addition, we have some games coming out. There's not much craziness coming out now but the week after this it's gonna get real we have three games coming out one day and i'm like shit um february 8th of 2019 on ps4 and pc we have god eater 3 set in a post-apocalyptic setting it's up to your special team of god eaters to take down godlike monsters devastating the world with an epic story unique characters and all new god arcs and aragami the latest evolution action is here also on february 12th for ps4 xbox one nintendo switch and pc ubisoft's got their next trials game out it is called trials rising explore over the top action and physics bending motorcycle racing and the latest opus of the trials franchise with new tracks and exotic places all over the world and more ways to compete this is the best one yet 
So that's what we got coming out next week. And with that, it's going to wrap up our show. Be sure and check us out next Tuesday for more from your favorite video game podcast. Visit theintergamer.net for our latest episodes, videos, and social channels. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend. And make sure you go to our website and check out our Facebook page and check out the Super Smash Brothers Ultimate Tournament, February 27th. We will be hosting it, and it's going to be great, and you do not want to miss that. If you want to support our show, you can donate on our website at theintergamer.net. All donations go towards making this podcast even better, making videos better, and making our events the best they can be. You can also join us in our conversation on our Discord channel, so check out the show notes for that link. I'm Austin Morales. Not Brayden Oski. And you've been listening to Intergamer, guys. We'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. In and out, in and out, go. Hello. Oh, we're recording. That's weird. I know. I'm a weird man. And we're live right here on the Entertainment Podcast. My name is Smokey McSmokerson. And this is my sidekick, that one white dude. Everybody knows. Hi. <laughs> Like My that. name is Bob Marley. Bob Marley. Uh, yeah. Where do we go from here? All right. Where do we go from here? Okay. All right. <laughs> Start the podcast, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Uh, three, two, one. You know, it's nice in Texas nowadays. You son of a bitch. I just thought that'd be nice for people who don't live in Texas. Like yesterday it was cold. Actually, no, two days ago it was like cold. And now I was, I was like, trying, to, trying to start this podcast here. I, I just want to add just something to And then you just like threw in freaking it's nice in Texas. It's nice in Texas. And it's winter. It was like humid as fuck yesterday. It was, it was rough because it, yeah. it was like trying to rain, but not really raining. And then it just was uncomfortable. Yeah. And it was kind of cool in the morning, like cold in the morning. So I like opened the windows and then it got progressively hotter and I had to turn the heater off because it felt like. 80 degrees in my house. And I was like, this is messed up. Well, Punks of Tony Phil didn't see a shadow. So that means we have an early spring this year. Wait, what? Punks of Tony Phil. Oh. The groundhog. Oh. Didn't see a shadow. If you saw a shadow, we get six more weeks of winter and he didn't see a shadow. So Dang, therefore. I was actually hoping, well, apparently early. it might snow next weekend. Yeah, I heard that too, which is so, but Punks of Tony Phil is usually wrong. Because he's just a groundhog <laughs> he's that just a groundhog. walks out and like, like the groundhog, do you want they, call, they talk in like groundhogging or some crap like that. And he goes up to two different scrolls and one of the scrolls is like early spring and the other one is six weeks of winter and freaking Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, man, they got a weird tradition up there. It's just German culture. It's crazy. <sighs> I don't want to know. Yeah. Let's yeah. Do it. You should watch. You should, you should all go out there and Google 
Punxsutawney Phil Groundhog Day and watch the live footage of what they had. They're outside all night long waiting for five o'clock in the morning to wake the, the freaking groundhog up to find out about the shadow. And they got people up on stage singing songs. They like took old classic rock songs and changed the words to be groundhog related content. And it's so bad. They can't sing and it's freezing ass cold outside. What the fuck? Yeah. It's, and people come from all over the world to this thing. What? Yeah. I'm sorry. Like 10,000 people here. show up. What? It's crazy. What the fuck? Yeah. That, anyway. is, that should be not, that should not be that popular. Anyway. And three, two, one.